Welcome to Dove and Dragon Radio. I'm your host, Emma Wooschak. I'm here with author E.J. Frost. Welcome. Thank you. Now, you have a lot of books on um, the internet right now. So which was your first and which is your current? The very first was called Snowburn, and that came out in 2014. Uh, and the most recent release is called Blood Yellow, and that just came out at the end of December. Okay. So you've been writing since 2014. What led you into writing? I've actually been writing uh, since I was 17. And I don't really want to say how long ago that was, uh, but more than 30 years. Um, and I published uh, initially a very short uh, story called The Nature of Love in a local magazine. And I'm really glad that the internet did not exist uh, then because I don't want to have any copies <clears throat> of that floating around anymore. Uh, but that gave me a taste for what it's like, not just to write stories for other people, but to publish them. Um, and it was a very positive experience. I really enjoyed it. I loved getting feedback from readers uh, on what they liked and didn't like about the story. And that uh, definitely pushed me towards uh, professional writing for the next many, many years. Um, and then when Amazon began opening up eBooks, that gave me an avenue to publish myself. Uh, I had looked at getting an agent mm -hmm. and had spoken to an agent and secured an agent uh, for the first book in the Blood Yellow series called Neon Blue. Um, but I'd had so many author friends of mine have really negative experiences um, with traditional publishing that I decided to try this, this fun new thing, uh, uh, independent publishing on my own, and it really worked well for me. Um, and so I've stuck with it ever since. Well, there's good things and bad things about publishing. And, you know, it's gonna go depend on the author. It's gonna depend on who you have as your agent and who you have as your publisher. You Absolutely. Know, it's not one size fits all. Indie publishing yep. is great. I published my first book, Indie Publishing, and then went over to traditional. Now, I have authors under me that I now publish for because that's my path. But for you, you have so many books out and they're great. I see there's many internet reviews, which is wonderful. So what is it about your series that is captivating people? I think that they connect with the characters uh, that I write. I like to write marginalized characters, characters who aren't quite in the mainstream. And I think it's easy, particularly now uh, with the times being so difficult for so many people. Um, I think it's easy to connect with those characters and sort of see that yourself in them, find uh, maybe a little bit of hope in them and their situations and how they resolve their problems. Um, and also some escapism. I mean, uh, primarily what I'm writing is, is uh, what's called speculative fiction or very fantastic fiction. These are not usually realistic scenarios. Uh, my witches and my demons roaming around are not uh, everyday occurrences. And I think it allows people to get away uh, from their problems as well. So well, I think that's what- We all love like. our witches and our demons and our dragons and our, you know, all the wonderful mystical stuff. So yep. obviously you have a ear note there with so someone speaking in your ear a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> It's always what I've been interested in. I, my, the first book I can remember reading from my, from my own very well um, was Dune by Frank Herbert. I picked up my father's very battered copy of Dune uh, and began reading it. 
And that really, I found a, an incredibly transportive experience, uh, just the idea of being on a very different planet with incredibly different customs and a different ecology um, really stimulated my imagination. And uh, I've always wanted that as a reading experience ever since. Well, that's a wonderful reading experience. I mean, we don't, we have our readers that read for academic. We have our readers that read for, we need to have knowledge or self-help or self-awareness or whatever, which is fine. But then we have our readers that want that fantasy, that want to escape this reality, especially since 2020 till now. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of very difficult years. Yes. Um, But, you know, we have to escape this reality. And as much as 2020 has given us enough information to write more fiction, we need to escape it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I mean, I I see it in my own reading Mm -hmm. as well. I read uh, at least 100 and often 250 books a year. And I absolutely want that separation, that escape. Uh, Prior to COVID, I was reading a lot more um, uh, fact-based books, er, biographies, and, uh, you know, um, thrillers, but they were very based in fact. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've just stopped (laughs) doing that since COVID. I really, I don't need any of that intruding on my life. I know. I used to do a lot of historical fiction and, you know, based on the facts but the characters may not be 100 accurate so they call it fiction or you know doing the self-help and i'm like no i need to get back to my fantasy i'm so <laughs> over <laughs> give me fairies and demons right now i really can't cope with anything else exactly i mean that's what we need we can't cope with reality so we turn no. to our fictional authors to give us a nice juicy fairy or demon or you know something going on in make-believe land (laughs) yeah I also think there's an element of empowerment there Mm -hmm. the last couple of years have been tremendously disempowering uh we don't know what's happening we don't Mm -hmm. know if we'll ever get back to any kind of new normal and what it will look like Mm -hmm. uh we're powerless in the face of this illness um and a lot of these fantasies uh fantasy stories are about someone finding their power finding their strength and I think that's really compelling right now. I absolutely love reading those kind of stories, particularly about women. Um, if, if there's a feisty female heroine who's out there and she's finding her power and she's claiming her agency, boy, I love reading that right now. It's really great. The, those are the best books right now. I mean, not just for female readers, but for readers in general. Because when you empower a woman, who's feisty as all hell, <laughs> you know, you're empowering everyone else. And everyone can- around her, everyone else gets a lift. And that's what I really like to see. I like seeing her come into her own, but also I, I like seeing sort of the ripple effect out into the characters around her as they all get lifted up with her, which is great. It's a lot of fun so, to read. So what's next in your series? Uh, I have a series called Teddy's Boys, The Bad Boys of Bebbington College. And the next book that's coming out at the uh, beginning of March is going to be the second book in that series called Gabe's Girl. Mm-hmm. And it is releasing on Bella right now. And so it's episode by episode on Bella. And then the ebook is going to come out at the beginning of March. Well, uh, what is that, that one a little bit about? Uh, that one is a reverse harem. 
So the heroine has multiple love interests and does not have to choose between them. She gets her, her whole harem of boys who are devoted to her, but also devoted to each other. And that's one of the things I've liked the most about writing that, the relationships between the boys um, as they uh, really begin to learn how to go beyond friendship and develop into a family. Um, and that's been really heartening to write right now when so many families are divided and, and distanced. Um, I've felt that uh, to be a really powerful thing to write and to read. Um, and absolutely, I, I write the stories I want to read. Mm -hmm. I read my own books, you know, for comfort, <laughs> particularly right now. Um, and uh, I absolutely am writing the stories that are very close to my heart and the ones that I turn to when I have bad days. Um, so that story is about a young woman from Manchester, England. Uh, I'm obviously an American, but I live in Manchester, just north of Manchester. And I have a, a daughter who's just sort of finished her teenage years. And that book is a little bit of an homage to her and her friends. Um, they've come through some really difficult times. I think it's tough to be a teenager right now. They've it had is. tremendous disruption. Mm -hmm. My daughter just graduated high school back mm. last summer. So we had two years of homeschool from COVID. And then we had two years of homeschool before that because I was homeschooling because I didn't like the school system. Absolutely. So, you know, she had the homeschool experience and then she got to go back to high school and she was loving high school. She loved being in school. And then she blah. lost it all. Yeah. 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 That was absolutely the experience of the kids here as well. It, it's heart need to see that because the kids need to be interacting. It's so hard to be a teenager right now. Yep. You have what's going on with the world with COVID. Then you go to the online bullying. Then you go to the peer pressure that you get from your peers that you are connected with in the community. It's so hard to be a teenager right now. It, it is. And they're, they are graduating mm -hmm. into a school of life that I think is even more uncertain and worrisome um, than it was certainly when I was leaving high school and going to college. I didn't have the worries about climate change. Um, I wasn't you know, deeply concerned about getting a job. We were coming out of the Reagan years when I was coming out of high school and it looked pretty bright on the job front. Uh, whereas you know, my daughter and her friends, they've got no idea if there'll be any jobs for them, uh, particularly as COVID continues to grind on and the economy continues to suffer. So um, I think they're coming out of, of high school and going into an even more uncertain world uh, than we did. That, than I did. Well, we both did. I mean, back in the 2000s, you can go out to get, it might, might not be a job at Ford or GNC or, you know, something like right. that. But you could still go and get your entry level jobs at your yeah. restaurants and stuff like this. Well, now you see the restaurants closing, not because, well, here, not because of the COVID, but because they can't be people to work. There are all kinds of pressures on the entertainment industry. I mean, America didn't go through quite the series of lockdowns mm -hmm. um, that England did, but the lockdowns really damaged our hospitality industry hugely. And so the jobs that kids could get going out of high school mm -hmm. um, are, uh, uh, there are many fewer of them than there were. Um, and they're uncertain. You know, Every time a big department store goes under, a lot of 18 and 19 and 20 year olds lose their jobs. 
So it's it's been really tough for them. And and uh, Teddy's boys and Gabe Gabe's girl are really my tribute to the kids who are coming out and um, trying to find their way in this not very brave new world. Yeah, where we're at now, it's going to be completely different in 10 years. I agree. Now, where we're at in 10 years, it's it's up in the air. It's going to depend, A, what country you're in, Mm -hmm. and B, and what mentality we're in. Absolutely. So we need need the books now to empower, (laughs) to escape, so we can figure out how to shape our world for 10 years. And what coping mechanisms you need going forward, you know, is it, it, can you face reality on a, on a daily basis or do you need to retreat? Um, my daughter and I talk a lot about sanity days. Um, you know, are you, are you working seven days a week or are you working six days and then taking a day as a sanity day? Mm-hmm. And that day may not be a Saturday or Sunday. It might be a Wednesday, it might be mm-hmm. a, a Monday. You know, what day do you need to retreat from the world and how often do you need to do it and who do you need to do it with? Do you really need to be alone uh, during that time? Or is it better given the tremendous loneliness uh, that she experienced in particular the last 18 months? Does she wanna be with somebody to do it? Um, And those are hard questions and they're things that we revisit uh, frequently, but that's definitely what what I I was thinking about when I was writing both Teddy's Boys and and Gabe Girl. Well, those are things that we do need to think about. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have these days and we go, me personally, I want to be alone because I'm surrounded by family seven days a week. And, you know, me, I need to have alone time. So I'll yeah. go find a nice little area in the park, in nature, and be completely alone. But mm-hmm. then my daughter, on the other hand, she needs to be with people. That's her sanity. Yeah. yeah. And she's probably been deprived of that for quite a long time during mm-hmm. uh, whatever, you know, sort of lockdown experience you had or, or uh, closure of the schools that you had. Mm-hmm. They didn't, I mean, my daughter was literally locked down for a year mm-hmm. um, and she lost her entire first year, uh, her freshman year at university when she would have been making friends and going to the clubs and, you know, uh, having that freshman year at university experience, which she's completely lost. And uh, I think that has made her both more aware of her social situation and more um, desirous mm-hmm. of that social contact. Um, and I don't blame her for any of that. I just, I just worry about her being exposed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my daughter, she stays away from people. You know, that's her thing. But at the same time, she wants to be surrounded by people. So it's a constant at odds with herself, what yeah. she's wanting. So I give her books. I'm like, here, have a book. Have a book. Escape reality for a little bit. Look, yeah. book mom didn't write. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here you go. Um, I think that's really important right now. And um, I've, I've talked to my daughter a lot about sort of the things that fill her free time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think gaming was a big thing mm-hmm. during COVID. And I think it still is a, a big thing, but she, she's definitely moving away from that. And that may be a function of getting older, she's now 20, um, or it could just be a function of coming out of lockdown and feeling that you can connect more with other human beings. Um, But I noticed that she's doing things like pub quizzes and she's going um, and spending time with her boyfriend and she reads, they read books together. And Mm -hmm. that seems to be a sort of different functionality um, than they had during COVID when it was 
they were really getting together just through their Xboxes and playing video games. Yeah, it, it's a lot of different. I mean, we're moving in from me having my fiance just online to moving. Ooh. Yeah. Try two years of just online because of COVID, no travel. But, you know, yeah, so you start getting now where you're together and it's a completely different mindset. Mm. But at the same time, you can go put yourself in this little fantasy mode and go, okay, how can I work this into a new book or new story to make it work for something else? Minds of an author will find ways to make reality into fiction. <laughs> and make it, it make it somehow more digestible. I think mm-hmm. our, our roles as authors is to filter the world through a lens that's both um, uh, beautiful and tragic in some ways. Uh, and to make it more palatable to the reader, not in terms of, um, you know, dumbing it down or anything like that, but to make it... Uh, to make it handleable, to make it something that the reader can actually function with instead of just looking around in despair and saying, yeah, I can't cope with yeah. any of this. Yeah, it, it's, you don't want to have your reader going, no, I can't cope with reality and I can't cope with your book because it's not reality. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not the idea. No, so you don't want a depressive book. You want that no. empowering. You want that voice. You want to read give them the power of themselves through your writing. I really do. I always want my, my books to be hopeful and although dark things may happen mm-hmm. in them, I think ultimately the, the trend is upwards. The trend is towards hopefulness and towards empowerment uh, rather than feeling that there is you know, only despair crushing in on us. Now with your other series, um, the Yellow, Blood Yellow series, what is that one a little bit about? Uh, that's the Demons uh, series. Mm-hmm. Um, the heroine is an urban witch named Zara, and she is of a Romani background. Um, she has settled in the brick, uh, as her, her Rom relations call it, and she's sort of trying to figure out uh, how to deal with her power. She has a lot of power, but she is very afraid of it. It's done bad things in the past. Um, and she doesn't quite know how to cope with it. And she doesn't really have any um, uh, teaching figures, any, any authoritative figures around her to guide her at all. Uh, she bumps into an old friend while she's looking for an artifact for um, another friend. And this uh, friend of hers, the old friend of hers has unleashed a demon um, on the unsuspecting world. And the rest of the book is her trying to figure out uh, how to keep the demon from getting her soul and putting the demon back in the box. Okay, so we have a, I love my demon stories. So we have, yeah, we have to have the evil, the necessary evil of the book. And then you have to have your hero, heroine, or you know, whatever your medium is to get back the, the evil wherever it's supposed to be at. So this one literally is putting the evil back in the box. <laughs> she's trying. She's trying very hard to stuff him back in the box. He doesn't really want to go uh, back in the box. He definitely has his own agenda, um, and his agenda may eventually coincide with hers. Uh, but during Neon Blue, in particular, their agendas are not on the same page at all, and 
she really needs to stuff it back in the box. So are you writing another book after Neon Blue? So Blood Yellow is the second book in that series. And that one just came out at the end of December. Um, and then there's a final book in the trilogy called Burning Bones, which I'm hoping to get out in 2023. <laughs> I keep saying it's going to make it out in 2022, but I'm not really sure it will. We have our goals as authors. You being an indie <clears throat> author, you don't have an actual time frame to write this book. Um, I don't. I've committed yeah. to a bunch of things uh, in 2022. Uh, I have a number of um, uh, anthologies that I'm writing for and uh, the sort of shared worlds mm -hmm. that I'm going into. And I don't want to let any of those down. So I need to work my own series around the deadlines. Um, for those books. And I just, I don't want to uh, feel like I'm letting any of my co-authors down. Are, can you say what those titles of those books are? Uh, I can say one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and that is uh, called Curvy uh, Space Girls Need Love 2. Um, and it's going <laughs> into a series called Large and in Charge that's going to come out on International Women's Day in March. Um, and that one is about um, an AI who uh, is, is guiding a spaceship to a, a colony, a planetary colony. Um, and the form that she embodies is of a large, uh, curvy, muscular woman. And I'm using sort of that to talk a little bit about my experience and the experiences of others um, as, as whatever you want to call it, plus size women. Um, in a society that I think discriminates pretty heavily against plus size women. So yeah, I wanted it to be a conscious choice by the mm -hmm. AI to embody that form. Um, and then also to sort of deal with the reactions of people around her to it. That is an awesome medium to take on a social cause. Yep. And it doesn't need to be said that not all women are little twigs, you know, we come in all shapes and sizes. All shapes and sizes. So, I mean, it, one, you have to be help, happy with your own body. And yes. healthy. I think yes. health, happiness and healthiness are very important. Yes. Um, that said, though, bodies come in, in lots of different forms. And yes. I'd really like to see uh, a, a larger embrasure of that rather than a more restrictive uh, embrasure. And we're starting to see on runway uh, fashion shows mm. where they're starting to embody the curvy women. Yeah, I've been really encouraged by that. I, I still, you know, I'm still a little discouraged by the fashion and the sizes in the stores and things like that. But I, I'm definitely pleased with the direction it's going. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's going the right way. What I want to divorce uh, in a reader's mind is the connection between um, a lot of flesh let's say, mm -hmm. and unhealthiness, because those two things are not always related. You can be a certain size and still be incredibly healthy um, and exercise and do all the, you know, eat right and do all the good things for your body um, and, and just still be a, a weight or a size that is not acceptable in the, in the minds of many. Exactly. So that's what I really wanted to hit on. <laughs> well, I, I have relatives that are curvy women. They're mm -hmm. very beautiful, curvy women. Yep. And they eat healthy. They're exercising. If you look at their medical records, they are more healthy than I am. Yeah. And then you have my little twig, 
my other family members that look like little twigs walking around. <laughs> you know, it all depends on how healthy you actually have your body. Yeah, that's right. And what your body is comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember reading an interview uh, with an actress who was, uh, she was in Battlestar Galactica, actually. And they'd asked her to gain muscle for her role. And she said that during the series, she was tremendously uncomfortable in her body while she was filming um, because her body doesn't sit comfortably at that weight. She really Mm -hmm. wants to be about 20 pounds less. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she felt out of sync with her body during the entire filming. And and she said she felt her performance reflected that, how incredibly uncomfortable she was uh, with the way her body moved and and the shape she was uh, during the filming. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, not just the pressure that she was put under to be a certain size and to be a certain look uh, during the filming, which I think happens across uh, genders. Uh, genders, it has nothing to do with gender. I think that's a huge pressure that's put on men as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that that she feels comfortable at a certain weight. And I know that's true of me as well. I feel comfortable at a certain weight and anything below that. And I feel uh, weak and anything above that. And I feel bloated, um, but I have a really sort of certain, set weight where I'm very comfortable. Most women, and this is a woman's mindset. I don't know if it's in men because I haven't heard this in men. No. But we have a weight that we know our bodies function at. Yeah, where we're comfortable. And if we're comfortable a certain weight, that's our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. You can't make us gain five to 20 pounds because the doctor says, or you have to lose five to 20 pounds because the doctor says it doesn't work that way. What are we as women comfortable with? Yeah. Is our heart healthy? Is our lungs healthy? Are we the rest of everything healthy? Then leave them alone. We're fine. And also be really, you know, attuned to our reproductive cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, I, just my whole body was very different pre-menopause to where I am now, which is perimenopausal. And it, it is just a big difference. It's a huge difference when your body is preparing every month to try to get pregnant. Um, and, you know, I just, I naturally carried more weight. I was much more comfortable with, you know, an extra 10 pounds because my body was getting ready to be pregnant again. Please don't stop. Um, but, you know, that's just the, sort of the way I felt pre-menopause. And now that I'm sort of transitioning out of that fertile period, I can feel my body sort of pulling back on itself and saying, you don't, we don't need this anymore. We don't need to be getting ready to be pregnant. Uh, We're done. Yeah. You can feel it in your body. And this is something that we as people need to say to our doctors because we know our body. Those 10 minutes that you get with an NHS doctor in England (laughs) a year. (laughs) It's about the same here. We might get 15. It's, it's grim. I, uh, I went to see the nurse last year uh, after a, um, a mammogram, my first, I think it was my first mammogram. And she said, we haven't seen you in two or three years. And I said, well, I'm about six. So I'd really rather not see you if you don't mind. <laughs> I have other things to do with my day. I do the same and, thing. <laughs> and she said, no, but we need to see you every year and make sure that you're okay. And have a health check with you. I was like, all right, I'm fine. But um, and she said, well, you know, it's, it's great that you're in good health. And I said, yeah, I feel great. You know, uh, it's all, it's all good. And she took my, my 
usual things and she took some blood and um, she said, you, you're fine, you're, go off and, and do your thing and we'll see you in a year for your pap smear and your next mammogram and you know, go do your thing. But I thought it was funny that she said, we haven't seen you in a couple of years. <laughs> well, I did, I, I did that to my doctor a few months ago because I was getting ready to travel again. And she was like, I haven't seen you since before COVID. I'm like, well, I haven't been sick, so I don't need to be here. <laughs> a, I haven't been sick, and B, I'm not sitting in a waiting room during COVID. You got to be kidding me. There are sick people there. No, thank you. <laughs> Get me out. Um, uh, yeah, we had a situation during COVID where I cut myself badly and we were looking at going to the emergency room and I was like, no, you know, get out the super glue and get out the little fly strip bandages and we'll, mm -hmm. we'll bandage it up. But I am not going and sitting in an emergency room for two hours. No, nope. If you have super glue, super glue can fix a lot of surface wounds. It'll do. It'll do. Yep. But it was so good having you. So where can our listeners and our viewers find you? Uh, you can find me exclusively on Amazon at present. I am going wide in 2022, but right now all my books are on Amazon. And if you look under EJ Frost on Amazon, you will find them all. Thank you. And again, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's lovely. And for all our viewers and our listeners, happy reading. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.